listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Hi, I'm Jackie Clayton. And this is Katie Van Horn. And welcome to Inclusive AF. I decided we need the cat lasers. We're always gonna always laser cats every time. I like it. That's awesome. Um, so today, let's yes. talk about it. Let's talk about it. So the last episode we talked about how diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, or DNI programs, or IDB programs, whatever you know, whatever label you put on it, that how they can fail. And there are, uh, uh, as we call the episode, a bazillion ways that it, they can fail. Um, but today, let's talk a little bit about some something very, very good. Okay. <laughs> it is very, very good. Very, very good. Um, well, they, I, I just, I, I, I didn't know if you were going to say or if I was going to say. <laughs> you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're seeing is more commitment to diversity. That's what I love, is that we're seeing the commitment. What makes me what we need to talk about more is what does that commitment mean? For example, in case there's some confusion, this past year, Google said, we're gonna increase total diversity to make sure that there's 50, 50, no, 30%. We're gonna increase it to 30% across the board. And so they also said, we're gonna open businesses in Atlanta and North Carolina and DC as part of our commitment to raise to make sure that we have more underrepresented people, which implies that Black and African American are the people that they are targeting, right? So then Facebook says, oh yeah, we are too, and we're giving 172 million, and these numbers aren't 100%. 172 million to black owned businesses. And I was like, okay, but what are you doing for diversity? What are you doing for diversity? That's great that you're increasing your suppliers, but what's your actual plan? Like your corporation is in San Francisco. It's very expensive to live there. The majority of black software engineers are in DC. They're not in San Francisco. All of the HBCUs are on that side of the world. They're not on this side of the world how are you making that commitment? And so what's funny is not only they make the commitment and sometimes they don't have those plans, but then they're like, we're making this commitment. And they're like, okay, HR go. <laughs> like, how do you do it? So we want to talk about CEOs that are making these pledges and their commitments and talk about some of the, the things that are working, some things that need improvement and how that seems to be playing out, especially in this pandemic remote working world that we're in. Yeah. And, and I think the piece that I would add to that is you're talking about two of the biggest players in the world, but this is also something that smaller companies made commitments after some of the social justice issues that happened this past summer. And even, you know, in the face of the pandemic of like working remotely, and you heard a lot of companies say, we're going to recruit from anywhere and it's going to be great and everything's great because we're going to be able to hire these folks that are from historically marginalized groups. And that's awesome. And the, you know, the commitment of, hey, we're going to get to 30% of non-white employees. That's a, a great goal to have. 
But then you also have to look at kind of where are those roles to your point exactly like where are they going to sit, where are you going to recruit from so I think it's a great idea to just, you know, exactly what you said let's talk a little bit about. How do you actually get from we made a commitment, the CEO sent out something internally externally, however, and now we need to actually back that up with action. So what action do we need to take, how do we take it all of those things and so yeah usually it is hey HR hey we made this commitment. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we're not giving you a budget, FYI. Yeah. Oh, and you only get a bonus if you achieve it. <laughs> right, right, right. So we have no idea if it's possible. Good luck. Um, I think so, that's the biggest thing that I noticed with organizations from where I sit, because I do data-driven diversity, right? So where I sit, I am like, okay, I think it's really great that you want to do that, Mutual of Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> However, um, you might have some challenges because you really have to look at how you got here. Mm -hmm. um, I worked with a company that's been in business for over 200 years, family ran. It's like every startup started with family and friends and that is how they've grown. Um, and so they literally from the top said, we are starting to hire diverse populations at the top. Um, and people were pissed, right? People were mad, but you have to, I think that you have to look at your organization. How did you get there? And what is the diversity today? And how is it broken down within various places in your work? Because we look at a work as a whole, but maybe it's the software developers where you need the most work, or maybe is it marketing? Is it accounting? So you have to know exactly where you're going to start, where you're going to make the greatest impact, what needs the biggest support. Absolutely. And I think you just named one that I think is very critical and it's what's going on currently and what have you done historically? Meaning, have you always promoted from the bottom? Has it always been family that have gotten those top promotions, all of those things? Because this is where, you know, when you start to make some of these changes or, or actually take action, you're going to see people that are going, what the heck is going on? And a lot of times what you'll see is that pushback. It will come from folks that have been with the organization for a while, like, hey, I put in my time. This is how it's always been done. Why are we now changing things? I deserve to also have that opportunity. And so you have like this, this shift in the way that you're thinking about stuff that we need to just be aware of, of that's where the communication comes into play. And of course, you know, we talk about communication pretty much in every episode. But what have you, you know, what have you done in the past? And it, it is the, as you just said, what's the current status of like where your company is and even, you know, thinking about Nebraska, what is the current state of Nebraska? Like, can you actually recruit folks from marginalized groups in Omaha, Nebraska, or do you need to look outside and look other places, which I love that, you know, uh, Google and Amazon have talked about, you know, creating locations that are more diverse to build up their populations and then it's, you know, how do you do that? So I think that's a great place is just to start with, where are we today? Because I think a lot of times people also jump to action. And I think that has happened a little bit where folks went, oh, we just need to do something, anything. And versus like, okay, let's pause and actually like assess where we are. And like you said, you, you are our data person and like, know your data, understand your data, understand what that data means and how that will impact all the things. And so. what is the culture? You have to measure what the culture is. And I think that's difficult. 
Um, and it usually starts with like anonymous surveys because you can't be in all places. Um, mm -hmm. There was another organization and I always name names. Should I not? Am I going to get in trouble? We're not going to get sponsors from those people ever. <laughs> um, but there was a, a large rental equipment company. Mm -hmm. They started a diversity initiatives. Their company. Did anyone just actually start thinking, who could it be? Who could it be? Because that's <laughs> immediate. Like, I'm going through my mental Rolodex of what company could you be talking about? But I'm going to pause on that and start, and I'm going to refocus, Jackie. Yes, okay, please, go. Not Come back back to Jackie. Back yes, to Jackie. Here, center, center. <laughs> so they decided they needed to add more women. The company is 90% men. And they decided that they were going to do it by starting with their sales departments with the recent college grad women. And I said, well, that's I, a hashtag me too moment waiting to happen. I was like, I have I'm calling 911. I, I am concerns. calling 911. <laughs> because one thing that people don't know, the good old boy network, people love and thrive in those organizations if they, you know, Huck and Jethro and Billy Bob have been there for a long time and they feel comfortable in that environment. I mean, I've gone to organizations where they're like, oh, there's a woman here. We can't talk. And you know that that's what their culture, they don't even know. You know, they don't even mm -hmm. know what that culture looks like because they're all, it doesn't seem weird to them. And it's one of those things like, no, you have to start at the top so someone can hold you accountable for the things that you're doing at that level. We've all been 22, 23, 25 years old. You don't speak up. You don't know that this is inappropriate. You think it makes sense that you always are going to dinner and that's your whole job. Isn't that great? Well, and not only that, but I think there is, when you're in a sales role, it's also the you can have customers at times that will tell you what an expectation of a sale will be. Mm -hmm. And for a 22, 23 year old young woman, that can be unsafe. And that is not to suggest that, you know, women cannot hold their own, but at the same time, to your point and nothing against Huck or Jethro, did you say? Or Billy Bob. Or Billy Bob. They all sound like lovely people. But to your point, it's it's the power dynamic. And, and that's that, you know, who's in the place of power and the position of power and who's going to be in that group that's going to go, oh, I can't say anything because this is just how things are. And not knowing any better, not knowing that, no, actually it's not. That's not what's what the deal is. So yeah, no, I think that's- terrifying. It was terrifying to me. And, but it's like, you know, as you're saying, it's not that these people aren't qualified. It's just mm -hmm. that that is not a safe environment. And no. like, you know, the world famous philosopher James Brown once said, don't start none, won't be none. Amen. So, so that, that's, that's frightening. And I don't think HR could do anything about it. Like they have to put the kibosh, they have to push back on the top of the organization. And a lot of people in HR are gonna have to push back and give people the real numbers, the mm -hmm. real numbers of what's going on in the company. And you're going to have to make a culture shift. Yes. And the real deal of like, like, Hey, this is also, and I think, you know, I've been a our business partner for 9,000 years. So this is also the courage and credibility, like where those come into play to be able to say, all right, let's, let's just walk this through. <laughs> How, like, and I'm always the person that kind of jokingly say when I'm talking to leaders, 
I mean, I'm going to play out like what is the worst case scenario and you'll, you know, your internal legal team will also do this with you where it's the, what's the worst thing that could happen that could put us into jeopardy. And that's where you sometimes have to go, which isn't great, but it is one of those like, Hey, we need to be aware of that. But then I think there's also the, what is your response going to be to those leaders of what are you going to do instead? Because I think that's also where sometimes as HR, we fall short is we go, no, you can't do that. Right. End of sentence Without, versus yes. let's not do that. But have you thought about this? Are there things that we could do instead and, and giving them because here's the leaders don't know what they don't know. So it is also like they're they're asking you or they're saying this is what our plan is because that's the best thought that they came up with. So going through that little journey with them a little bit, but then also saying, Here's what I would recommend instead. And to your point, like, let's talk about some senior roles that we have. Who could we place in those roles that could help to drive the culture mm -hmm. and help to drive the direction of some of this? And even if it's like, hey, we're going to get a female head of sales that's going to be there to mentor. If you if that is the path they decide to go is, hey, we're going to hire female new college grads. Okay, great. But do you have a senior woman or senior women that they, they can then mentor with or be mentored by to help them with, yes, this is okay. No, this is not okay. And some of those things, because I mean, I, I, I'm sure that you have been subjected to this. I have been subjected to this where it's, you know, Hey, what are you going to do? Or to your point, let's go have drinks after dinner and Oh, Hey, what else, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, and then you're a female going, Oh shoot, what do I do now? How do I handle this situation? How do I push back on this without injuring the company without, you know, putting the sale at risk or whatever it might be. And I mean, we've seen time and time again, some of those horror stories of when the woman hasn't been comfortable pushing back and, and how that goes down and how just. Yeah. We find out on 2020. Exactly. You know, exactly. and yeah. it, people have to understand it's not about making this great tossed salad of different types of people. It's about even distribution of power and responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you're 80%, you know, BIPOC, if mm -hmm. all 80% work in customer service. Absolutely. Yes. And, and I think that's something that so many companies and I think so many recruiters their first thought, and it's a great thought. And it does, it is one step in the equation of what should we do is, okay, let's start with that intern class or that new college grad group to like make sure it is more diverse versus to your point, starting at the top and going, where are there some roles where we can consider whoever or we are missing? Offices. Like what right. offices are in a more diverse area, like where mm -hmm. you have that support, because it, it, it just has to do with, with, without planning, without having the plan. And it doesn't make a statement. Right. Um, and I think if you're, if you're going to be making a statement, it should be followed up with a, an action plan. Mm -hmm. So I think it's great that people have this in a response to, we've seen a lot of it in response to, especially George Floyd, what? and Black Lives Matter, um, we've seen a lot of response, but you have to follow it up with a, how are we gonna do that? Because right. we know there's people, we've seen it over and over again, where people are saying, making these commitments and then looking to people within diversity 
saying, okay, can you do that? And it's usually, you know, someone who doesn't have a lot of experience that says, yeah, that seems reasonable only to find out it's, it's tough. You right. have to have a plan and you have to also have, you have to have your diversity of thought as a diversity professional of how mm-hmm. this could go. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell Yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. Right. No, and I think, yes, because I think that's the other piece is one of the things that I have heard over the years and, you know, being a leader in HR, being a team member in HR is, you know, how do we get more diversity? And it's like, okay, well, also let's look at our own person, like our own team. Is our recruiting team all white people? Okay, well, that would be the place we actually need to start, you know, or hey, is our business partner team or whoever, and and not that, it, you know, I, I'm not suggesting you, and I want to talk about this, not right this second, but just not suggesting you do anything weird or funky to try and get more diversity just for the sake of diversity. But it's the, what are you doing within HR? And I mean, we know obviously that predominantly HR is female dominated, except for in leadership, leadership roles. Right. And, and so that's a, that's a perfect example of who's leading these different teams. And, you know, same thing in the ranks of engineers. In marketing, you usually have a male head of marketing and then a team of females. You, you, you know, sometimes your CMO is a female, which is awesome and amazing. And that's what we would drive. But being thoughtful about that and kind of each head of your department, what are they doing and who are they? So yay, yes, for sure. But I think also <laughs> for recruiters, and I think this is a question you get a lot. So I'm going to ask it and kind of uh, I'll share my stuff and I want you to share as well, because one of the other things that I hear quite a bit, and this is obviously something that you do for your day job is that's great, Katie, but where do we actually find diverse talent? And you just, you know, you said, Hey, opening offices in different locations. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a great place to start, but I also think it's a, you can't just go sit in Detroit and think that all of a sudden you're going to hire all of the black people and, and think that everything's going to be solved and it'll be great. Because the other part is you have to look at where, like all of the surrounding topics. And, and I'm going to use Detroit as the example, Detroit is a city similar to like a Chicago. And I think Atlanta is this way as well, where it's such a divide between races Mm -hmm. that you can't sit in certain places in Detroit and actually be able to get people to the job every day that are people of color because Because of the wealth, there's the wealth gap, but also it's the, there's no transportation options, right? If they don't have their own car, there's not a bus that they can jump on. There's not a, you know, light rail, whatever it might be similar situation in some of these other cities. I think Atlanta has done more for that, but I think it's one of those things you also have to be considerate of, of, okay, so if we go to a Houston or a wherever, can we actually hire people that will be able to show up for these roles? And, and I, I never like to go with the, oh, hey, can we actually find the talent? Because yeah, you can, and you can get people to move kind of anywhere if it's the right opportunity, if it's the right environment. But I think that's also something to consider. Like to your point, you have some of the historically black colleges and universities in the South. Where in the South would you put an office? And it's, I just had this conversation with some friends that work 
at a certain company based in Minneapolis that I used to work at. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, for their intern classes, they would have folks from historically black colleges come and work there for the summer. And Minnesota in the summer is lovely. <laughs> but those people never stayed because they would hit the first winter and be like, what in the world is happening <laughs> right. here? Right. Much like I did, but that's not the point. <laughs> so it's also the, you know, being thoughtful about the locations and being thoughtful, not just about what the makeup, meaning you know, what are the race and ethnicities of the folks in that neighborhood or city or whatever, but also how are they going to get to work? What's the cost of living? What are all the things that make that location attractive or not attractive to everyone? And how do you make it so it's equitable for everyone? I will tell you, for just based on my research, if I was opening a company and I wanted to add specifically more Black or African-American talent to my team, I would open in North Carolina. North Carolina mm -hmm. A&T has the most tech. It's the cheapest place to live. It's still warm, but it's not Florida. It's got, you know, Southern charm, but it's not Alabama. See, I always, I just get in trouble with places. I just call yeah. people out. Yeah. But I think you know what I mean. It's like, it's not so dramatic as trying to recruit somebody from DC and then putting them in some weird place like it the working for Walmart in Bentonville, Arkansas, right, would be is terrifying because right. there's lots of pieces. So I would I would say when you're looking at diversity, you have to look at a couple of different things. It number one, you have to look at what's what's the what is are your competitors doing? Mm -hmm. Your actual your competitors and not necessarily um well the first start is that high level competitors, you know. The second part is looking at it from a diversity standpoint. You need to know if you're losing people, where are they going? Mm -hmm. And 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 because there are people that are are within packs, right? Yeah. They went to school together, or they're part of the same organization. And when you find something positive, you go. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, people who are listening probably know like it's almost at the point where me and Jeremy Roberts are like a, a tag team deal. Like right. you, get one, you get both of us. Right. So we need, we need to look at the organizations together. We're Absolutely. Support each other um, as coworkers. So you have to look at that, but then you also have to look again at the individual demographic of your community and the role. Mm -hmm. That's the other reason why I like North Carolina, because North Carolina already has a high population of black African American people there. And you put that along with the HBCU that's located there. That's a large one, you know, or Georgia Tech has more black engineers than a lot of companies give it credit for. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at those different places. But then if you're on the other side, where are these people working? Like you, you just can't say look at see where the talent is and where mm -hmm. they're working and try right. to emulate some of that I, I that's where i would look before you make these decisions and i would also think about um having remote office access rather than trying to make people relocate just yeah. have a feeder office we talked about at our own company it would be great if we had like five people all in one city where we could have, you know, diverse talent, but they all had each other instead of 
feeling an even greater disconnect mm -hmm. because we are going to have to meet. And, and, and even though it's like, oh, great, we can add diverse populations because we're remote. You're going to have to meet each other at some point. Right. People still, they talk to each other. <laughs> You know? And at one point they will meet one day. Um, no, I agree. And I think it is like when you think about So I'm going to step back and put on my weird HR hat again, because also there's the piece of like having that piece of belonging to say, who are my who's my cohort, if you will, of folks that are in my same area. But then I think it's also just from a complete business and tax liability. You don't want a thousand people all over the US. So you have to pay taxes in every single state, employee taxes in every single state. So it's also being thoughtful about, okay, well, hey, if we're going to target North Carolina, then let's try and target there and hire five or 10 people, yes. rent an office or not, or, you know, have a co-working space that you have some drop desks at whatever, whatever makes sense for you. Because I think I also love to see offices where it's like, okay, yeah, we work for so-and-so X huge company, but then we sit remotely in Phoenix, let's say. And then we all work in this co-working space together when, you know, on the days that we come to the office. So you have that to your point, like that uh, team feel, but without, you know, with people then being able to be like, no, I'm gonna work from the house today. And that's okay too. Cause I think there is this, I'm very much like this. I think you're the same way. Like we worked from home for a really long time, but it's also really nice to like be someplace where you hear other humans talking and yes. Other, and not your family, like interacting with other humans that are also doing business, like feel that office environment, um, which is great. And so how do you think about that? How do you think about, you know, what else could you do to create those, the, the, the visual I always give people is like those ties, those strings to the person in the company, any type of engagement string that you can create, I think is a great thing to do. And, and so also, I think it oh, brings some leadership. Sorry. I just, I was no, thinking no, about this, like, it gives them, it empowers that person to start building on their community. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like if I'm like a lesbian female, I have lesbian female friends and I went to an office where there weren't a lot and I felt uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But if I could create a full team of my, you know, gay friends, then it would be the place to be. And we can right. like, we would be able to build on that. We could have a bigger influence on the culture then picking someone out of their own element and then putting them yeah. someplace else and saying, oh, good luck. By the way, we celebrate Christmas here. And don't put fish in the microwave. Like all of a sudden you're taking people out of their element and they won't be able to thrive. Right. So building a community or meeting people where they are helps build that community. Mm -hmm. And so that, that helps with that $172 million donation to black businesses. Why don't you just open, you know, in a community, open a co-working space and have your mm -hmm. office there and build on that community. It would be cheaper and you would, this is brilliant. We need to get off of this podcast. And right. Start immediately. <laughs> I know just the place. Um, no, but I think that's, people aren't thinking about it. Like you have to, it has to be different mm -hmm. and you have to be more creative bringing people into your space when you've already had a problem with this doesn't make sense. No. And I think there's another piece from a belonging perspective that I think, you know, you're kind of, you're hitting on it spot on. And it is also like, you know, we talk about employee resource groups or ERGs. And I think there's also this space of like, 
when you're talking about smaller companies, a lot of times they're like, oh, we're going to have an ERG for this group or for that group or for this group. And you're like, how about instead you have like an ERG that's like an overarching ERG for folks that are from marginalized or, or underrepresented groups mm-hmm. that they can all come together and, and have the conversations and all that thing. Because when you have smaller teams to say, oh, we're going to have an African-American group and there's one person in the office is African-American, that doesn't really help your ERG or, or do what you need it to do. One of the things that I also love that I've seen a few companies do is have a new college grad mm-hmm. um, employee resource group so that it's basically like when you have interns come in that then convert to full-time employees, they have this sense of their cohort. They have this sense of they belong together as a group, which is also really nice. And that group also can do some really cool things um, where they can go, okay, hey, here's things to think about for the office that maybe they didn't learn in college. Or, hey, here's places that you should go if you're going to live in Seattle or if you're wherever it might be. You know, here's different things that you need to be aware of, you know, starting your first job. Because I, I think that's another piece that, you know, I am always the one I kind of joke around about having like, you know, a, a buddy when you, as a leader, when you hire someone, giving them a buddy and it can't be you as a leader, because it's like the like, hey, where do I find the staples? And the employee's never going to ask the manager, where do I find the staples? Right. But they will ask their buddy or, 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 and it could be something like, hey, can I cook fish in the microwave? Can yeah. I, where is the microwave? All those things that get come up for new hires too, because I think that's another one that, you know, that happens that we don't acknowledge or don't consider that's really important. You're right. So. That's great. Those are great ideas, Katie. I, I, and, and I think it almost should be a part of the onboarding process. It's, you're still courting, you're still courting your higher and i mm-hmm. think it, it, it makes sense we have to get we have to fix onboarding because i have not seen one person nail it during covid and remote stuff yeah. and the impact impact um is huge on these people there's been a lot of hires i've noticed in various pockets the people who are hiring are hiring yeah so they have all these people and then they've started remote like you know, like we've said, I've always, I've been remote for over 10 years. I don't even know what an office looks like. If someone asked me to come into an office, I would probably look just like that. Like I wouldn't get dressed or anything. And I'd be like, Hey, what? We'd be putting my makeup on at my desk. Um, but I think that, you know, we really have to, you can't learn the lay of the land until something weird happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we just did our like secret Santa. I always, and, and I'm inclusive AF. Like I was like, why are we doing a secret Santa? Like we shouldn't do secret Santa and not everybody celebrates Christmas. And I saw yeah. this post last week that said, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas and happy Diwali. I was like, Diwali's like in April. Like, why are you like, why, who, what? I was re- trying to learn about how you can do holidays difference at organizations. And you have yeah. to understand like, those are the things, there's certain things that you don't find out till too late. Now, if you're on right. the candidate side, you need to ask mm-hmm. questions or if you have play, days that you're just not going to be there because if you celebrate, you have to let people know. Mm-hmm. And it would be cool to say, oh, well, we would like to celebrate that with you. Can we participate? What we can we do to support you? Um, because those are the things that create family. 
And I know work's not a family. No, yeah, but but yes, because I think this is part of it too. Is that then that also kind of eliminates the wow? I don't know what this even is. So I just recently I was researching Kwanzaa because I'm like I don't even really know what it is. Like, is it a religious holiday? Is like, and so I started digging in on it, and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is really cool. But like, ask anyone on the street, what's Kwanzaa? And they're like, what are you, I I don't know, you know, I have no idea. And so like doing some of that research and understanding that is also, I think that's a huge point of like asking your employees. But I think all of what we're saying also comes down to exactly what we're talking about. So this is going to be very meta. Are you ready? (laughs) It's almost, you have to have a group of folks you bring together to say, how should we do this? what would be helpful. So going back to that survey concept, but I also like the idea of a brainstorming session with a group of diverse individuals to say, what would be helpful? What would be good? When we're onboarding new hires, what would have been helpful in your first 90 days? I'm right there with you with our, I'm talking to a bunch of people that are like, I've never been to the office other than like, you know, when I saw it on Zoom, when I was interviewing (laughs) with so-and-so and I'm like, okay. So it is that like onboarding piece, but are you talking to folks to say, okay, as we think about these commitments that we've made, here are the five or 10 or whatever commitments that we've made. What are we going to do about these things? And having a group of individuals individuals come together, because I think that's the other thing that HR does. God bless us. I am one of you, so I cannot talk. I mean, I talk a lot of smack about HR, but I am also an HR person. So it's the I can't solve this on my own or figure out all the answers on my own. I have to ask other people and getting that brainstorming session or sessions into play to say, what would be helpful? Like, what do you see that would be important to you? What's not here? All of those things, like, what are we doing about that? So I I think that's the other piece that is really important is not just HR going off and doing the things. Right. And not just listening to what the CEO or C-suite says, but also going and talking to the employees. Like, hey, we made a commitment to do this in the community. What does that look like to you? Or what would be helpful to you? And I hear leaders say, well, I don't want to ask because then if we don't do those things, then they're going to get mad at us. And I'm like, no, if you explain why we're doing it and having the conversation and asking the questions, be transparent. Yeah. Just be transparent about it. Like, Hey, we don't know all the answers we need help. And so we and, would love and to ask people in. I was thinking about doing this at my company of just having, Hey, we're going to start a channel. I start diversity resources, but then we have like a fun committee. So it's like, we're going to have a diversity committee for yeah. people that want to promote and support me in yeah. my diversity efforts for the whole company. Yeah. Because well, you can't be in all places. And mm-hmm. and I also think you talked about the buddy system for onboarding, but I think it would be smart to have a buddy system for diversity and have people, yeah, you know, circle around to get to know each other on a more personal basis and start with like department versus department. Just hook yeah. everybody up to have a little even 30 minute coffee talk yeah. once a week means so much because then you are, you are doing more for the world by doing that than just Mm -hmm. by throwing people who will never fit in, in, you know, with a bunch of other people. Yeah. And I I love the idea of kind of that, um, the, the way that it was labeled at one of the organizations that I worked at was GTK. 
So you had your get to know or GTK conversations when you were meeting new team members. And it was just like, and it wasn't a tell me the work things. It was tell me about you. Like, who are you? What's yes. your story? All of those things, because that's actually how you form those bonds. And then that turns into who do I need to call to get this thing done? Oh, I know Jackie over in accounting and I can call her and she has the answer to what I need or can help me get to the right person or whatever. Because I think it's also like you get more work done if you start to build that network and that community up front. And I mean, the, the company gets more work done, not just the individual. Yes. If I know I can call Jackie in accounting because she's going to help me with whatever the thing is. I, I feel much more comfortable than just going, oh, I have to call accounting. I don't know anyone over there, whatever. Um, and I think it also helps, like, I think so many companies struggle with like the silo piece. And this mm -hmm. is even more of an issue right now because of the remoteness that there's no longer that lunchtime conversation with people from other departments. You're so heads down and talking to the people on the meetings that you need to get work done on the Zoom. And that's all you're talking to. You're not talking to anyone else from any other department. And so, it's those get to know you conversations, but as you just said, like a coffee once a month or a whatever it looks like, you know, a virtual coffee or whatever to make sure that you can continue to build those relationships because it's really, really hard on both ends to onboard and to be onboarding someone in this environment. So, okay. So accountable. You have to be accountable. Yes. And everybody can say, Hey, that Christina girl, I don't know if this is going to work. If, if like you're, I don't know if she's going to be, she's not going to be on the diversity committee. I'm just no. saying. Right. And you can help foster, but it also helps Christina think, oh, maybe I should be more open or I should mm -hmm. try to embrace this change without having preconceived notions that I made up in my head because that's what bias is. Right. And I think, so, okay, all of those are awesome. What I... So we have our list. What else would be on our list of commitments that we have made? So we've made a commitment to hire more of uh, more people from underrepresented, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> more people from underrepresented groups. We've made a commitment to somehow do something for the community. Cause I think that's another one that comes up is, you know, how are we interacting with the community? What are we doing to support um, communities of color? What are we doing to support underrepresented groups or historically marginalized groups? That's another one I hear. And so it's also like, what are we doing out in the community? And I think that is such also for candidates, so important right now. And I mean, you know, Glassdoor, I think has done like two or three different surveys in the last year or two about that topic of like, do candidates care if you're doing DNI stuff? Yep, they sure do. Mm -hmm. So it's also like from a community perspective, do you look at that? Like, do you talk to companies about that when you're working with them on their recruiting stuff? I no, I'm so busy. Most of the time I'm so trying to make sure that they're looking at diversity clearly that we don't get to that point. Okay. What I do help a lot is learning how to communicate. That seems to be the biggest fear factor of, of doing those things. But I like, I, I haven't gotten to that point. Have you? I have. And, and I think I wasn't asking that question to set no. it up for me to talk. No, but, to no, but I want to know because I haven't. Um, because I think it's one of those things that for so many companies, and this also goes to like how DNI is approached, and you and I have talked about this, that a lot of companies approach DNI from, okay, we're going to fix the women thing first, and then we'll move on to other groups. And so 
this is also a, again, stepping back and looking bigger picture of where are you spending charity money or, you know, a community social responsibility, CSG, whatever your company calls it. Um, where are you spending that money? If you, if you do that, if you, you know, do support communities and, and what makes sense from a business perspective. So, you know, I think, you know, the one that Amazon that I think they're trying to do and they're getting there slowly, but surely we need a little bit more help, but we're, they're working on it is helping um, small businesses, especially businesses that are led by people of color, women, et cetera, giving them opportunities to uh, be more visible on some of their platforms when you're searching for a dog bed. Okay, well, here's a dog bed from this company, blah, blah, blah. So those are the things I think are also really good is like even just like from the, you know, search algorithms on Amazon, are they proposing the right things? But I also think it's, okay, how are like, so everyone, you all know, I worked at GoDaddy. So one of the things that they have done and continue to do, which I think is amazing is support small businesses that are around people of color. Like, how are we getting them online? Because I mean, a great example is there's a ton of Mexican restaurants here in Arizona and Phoenix. And so many of them don't have a website or don't have any way, like it's just word of mouth. Oh, that's where you go for the best, whatever. Uh, the best tacos are at, you know, this place. I'll tell you one day when you come here where that is, but until then it's a secret only I will have. Um, <laughs> but, you know, helping them set up their website or their, you know, their Google search optimization so that they show up. Those types of things are, are so important and, and people don't think about that. So it's also like, what does your company do and how could you support communities of color, how could you support? And so like, it's all, okay, hey, we're an LGBTQ community. Okay, how do we support other LGBTQ businesses? And vendors, because a lot of people are diversifying their vendors, but they don't ever tell the company. Yes. Hey, these are the vendors that we're supporting. We're looking for other vendors. And you just made me think like, why can't we pick that on Amazon? Hi, my name is Sarah. And I want to tell you about my podcast called can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. I mean, uh -huh. you can pick everything else. You can pick who sells it or, you know, all the other things. You should be able to, to pick minority-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. own businesses because yeah. you want to be able to support since they seem to have a racket between them on Walmart it'd be nice to be able to have that as an option yes and I think you know I think I feel like I just saw something when I was looking for uh holiday gifts I think it was Etsy if I'm not mistaken that you can actually like check a box of like okay. is this a women-owned business or a you know uh, uh I think they have it labeled as minority-owned business which is you we know a little bit of a 
It's a little cringy. It makes me a little annoyed, but hey, it's a step in the right direction. We're working on it. But like, that's the type of stuff I think it should be something that is done. And like, so I'll tell you another story that I think is really cool. And it's now being spread. So one of the clients that I work with, that's a nonprofit, they just started adding salary ranges on their postings, which is like, dun, 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 like a huge deal. And so now they're encouraging other nonprofits to do the same thing and like have sent notes and then like sent me like, Hey, they agreed to do this. Isn't this cool? And, and it's awesome because it's, again, it's that transparency and that like, how do we help like really focus on some of these things? So it takes the community and it's the whole, you know, Hey, it takes a village kind of thing where what are you doing? And then how are you passing that or like uh, paying that forward? to get other folks to do it. And some of it is, I mean, like, not that that was in any way, like a shame thing, like, oh, we're doing it. You should too. But more from a, Hey, we're doing this. You should totally do it too. It would be awesome if you were a part of this as well. And like, how great would this be if we could just have more transparency? Um, so anyway, so like, I think, but the vendor thing, oh my goodness gracious, Jackie, that's a huge one. And that one I get so excited about, um, because I think so many companies, if there was just that shift it, and, and really like a shift in awareness more than anything, that that is a huge deal. Yeah. If you are using a, a, a marginalized company and I'm saying that that's not probably not the right language no, to be using, but yeah, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, how could you have them identify? Yes, I am an LGBTQ owned business or a women owned business or you know, all the things that we can get registered as an organization, but thinking about that from your procurement perspective and like having the team like, Hey, we need to be tracking this and, and, and being aware of it. So it does, it does so much. The thing is like the, because that's the other part of the even distribution of power does equate to the even distribution of money. Uh huh. The gap is about to get huge. I am freaking out as you know, and I know what this isn't the topic, but I'm freaking out and keeps me up at night thinking of people being evicted and not being able mm. to have those places and then needing something so desperately as uh, accepting lower wages or moving into neighborhoods where that has the resources but it's never in the upper middle class area of town yeah. where they have these shelters and they don't have all of the resources that they need. It, it, it keeps me up at night. So mm-hmm. the, the, here's the good news for all of you organizations thinking we can't help our communities because of COVID. You absolutely freaking can absolutely. because they need money. They, mm-hmm. need, they need housing. They need medical care. And you can support within your local organizations gives them a greater opportunity to help um, within those communities. Um, I'm on part of the board for, um, you know, I'm in Waco. So it is uh, the music, the uh, arts industry here in Waco. And I'm on the board and we were, um, we've been supporting artists because they haven't been able to do something. And and Mm -hmm. we've been paying them and helping them. We gave a website so that they could sell their wares and gave them opportunities to be able to try to do those types of things. There's a lot you can do and you just need to dig deeper. But if you have the ability within your organizations, that's where you need to look, look within your communities because it's going to get, it's going to get tough food, housing, healthcare, shelter support those within your local communities. 
Yeah, I, 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 I won't even say it's going to get tough. It is tough right now. And especially with, you know, the dummy dum-dums in Washington, unable to figure out, you know, is there another option for, you know, some sort of relief for individuals? Like, it's not, it's not going to get well, better anytime soon. That, yeah. That, I, well, they just can't, they through. can't, I mean, they can't figure on. it out. Um, but I, sorry, delete that, delete <laughs> Where's our edit? edit, edit. edit. <laughs> no, I, so <laughs> all right, bring it together here, Jackie. Um, Jackie's fired up. It's good. I love it. Um, but no, because of that, like, I mean, we're already seeing the pinch. We're already seeing folks that are like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I don't, for anyone who has like the next door app, I don't know about you all, but I have been getting stuff just on the daily of like, Hey, lost my job, haven't been able to find anything, anyone, you know, any help would be greatly appreciated. And those are the things that also, like, I think everyone, I think pretty much every nonprofit is struggling with, you know, how do we carry on? How do we keep our doors open because they've lost funding because people aren't giving as much from a charity perspective. So I, I'm going to also, this is a completely off topic, but Please, if you have not already done your tax credit for this year, please do a tax credit for this year. It's free money uh, for that organization. You get the money right back. So do it. It's important, um, especially this time of year as we're ending the year. We want to make sure we're doing that tax credit. But um, <laughs> I think the, the key, the things that I, you know, just not to wrap it up because I think there's so much more we could talk about here and we could do this for a couple of days kind of looking at every single area of the organization and how to do this the right way but um i think for me like we obviously we kind of have focused a lot on like recruiting and kind of that onboarding and kind of the first piece in the in the puzzle and i think the other one that i would love to ask you about is where do we find so we talked about kind of moving locations and having locations and, and places where there is more diversity, but where else? So I'm a recruiter sitting in Waco, Texas, let's say. I need to find people, they can be remote, but where do I find people that, that are part of not, or underrepresented groups to come and work at my jobs that I have open? And yes, this, we are going to go, this is slightly a plug for Jackie's day job because she's done some cool stuff. So I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit about that, <laughs> but, um, where, where can I source for people? Yes. So, uh, I work for Seek Out. That's why Katie is saying that and that's just <laughs> part of what we do. Um, but one of the things that I find interesting is if you don't have that, you can, you really utilize LinkedIn, but you're looking at it in a different way. So you do it by, you can look for LinkedIn groups. You can look at LinkedIn groups. When you do a search, you can say, uh, maybe you're looking for LGBTQ plus and you need somebody in marketing and you put it in and there will be a LinkedIn group that will have people because you, you don't know if that person um, is a member of the community, but you know, they at least support people that are and are potentially an ally. So, I swear I see a bug over there. Um, so <laughs> okay, yeah. There's a bug in Waco. Uh, FYI, okay. everyone. One bug only. Um just it's coming for Jackie. Uh, so anyway, 
you can go in and find people that way. Look for, like, I've looked at research. I've started searching scholarships that were given for particular groups. So scholarships, as you know, like there will be ones for people that have learning differences or they're, mm. they are a part of the autistic spectrum, right? Or there is a fraternity or sorority or a Greek organization, however you say it, that supports these various diff these various groups. There's one for um, gay women at ASU that started like in 2013, that's gotten really big. And so it, it's helpful to look at the, the places, if you live close to a college or university, to look for organizations where people have put that they are a member of these various groups, then you can find people that potentially are part of the community, um, at least support within those areas, start networking and from there. Um, and I think that, I think it just goes with like starting with keywords. It really, it really basically starts with going at keywords, but don't, don't, you might be surprised <laughs> when mm -hmm. you go in there on where you find various groups of people. There's also, you know, like when you're talking about LGBTQ plus, like the humans, uh, Human Rights Coalition has there's a ton of resources there and a ton of places where you can post jobs. Um, I will tell you, I don't think it's worth the investment to post jobs that say they cater to various groups when like I'm going to Indeed if I'm looking for a job. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at where do black people go to look for jobs. That's just weird. And for me, um, I uh, think that, I don't know any, I have not talked to one black person who says, oh, I found this job on blackdatascientist.com. No, no I, I hear what you're saying. But I also would say there are some like really cool groups that are like they're building communities. I mean, I think the Muse was one back in the day. I think they have kind of but run their course, different. but but like the Mom Project is another one where you have a ton of resources for, resources for moms that are trying to go back to work and have and it's like jobs that are remote or jobs that are part time or jobs that are talking about job boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. I understand. I just want to clarify what you're yes, saying because I know you. what you're saying and I just want to clarify that. I appreciate that. You make you, you make a very valid point. <laughs> there are communities that cater towards the whole person, not just somebody who's like post here posting yeah. right here yeah. um but i will tell it is active we talk a lot about employer branding and a lot about attraction it really has to be proactive on your part it mm -hmm. is um it it takes a lot of work and research but the good thing is is that once you find these various sources you can just tap into them all of the time and ask for various spots um but also look at other organizations that that already cater to that particular group. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if if it's just like you look at people that are online, if, if it, you're talking about like Microsoft, Google, Facebook, they Apple, they look at each other's who they're hiring because they compete from a text standpoint. So who do you, is there a, um, a group? And I, again, I utilize Seek Out for it, but it's like what company already caters to the group that you think that you need more people of at your organization. Yeah. And I love what you said. Well, I love what, everything that you said, but I love what you said about like universities going to the Greek system and understanding like what fraternities and sororities do they have that are for specific groups. And then also going to those groups versus like the, okay, well, Hey, 
ASU is having a job fair, so let's go to their job fair. Like, go to the schools, meaning like the, okay, so at ASU, you have an engineering school, you have an art school, you have a, you know, whatever. Going to those specific departments or whatever they call them and, and, and starting to really dig in versus it being a one and done. I, go, I went to the job, um, job fair, didn't hire anyone, so we're done now. And also, I think it's a like look in your backyard situation too, where um, I think for so many folks, they're trying to go, and we've talked about this, like you don't have to go to Stanford to find good engineers. You don't have to go to MIT to find good engineers. You can go to your you know, local schools and find amazing, amazing talent. And how cool is that, that you're gonna, you know, the likelihood of someone, you know, I'm here in Arizona, the likelihood of an ASU student working for a company in Phoenix right out of college and, and growing their skill set versus losing that talent to another state because there's no jobs here. Like yes. you want to, you know, keep them in, keep them home, you know, it, as much as possible. But then I think there's also another thing that you said there that was just like, how do you think about this search in just a different way? Because I think for so many people, it's like, oh, I looked at engineers and I couldn't find anyone. What else are you doing? And I know there are also a ton of bad habits on LinkedIn that I would highly discourage. Like, I, I mean, you've seen some of the like, oh, do a search for names that are historically whatever. Like, ick, please don't do that. Like, no. it's just yes. yucky. The top 100 names only brings back 20% of all females in the United States. The top 100 names on the census in the United States, the results only bring back 20%. 20%. Mm -hmm. You may as well just look for Maria's. Just look for Maria and then break that down because yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be, and I think that, I mean, I'm just saying it's, it's not focused, you no. know, focus your target on there. If, if, if you have, you would get 20% by just looking by one name. Well, and it's also so unreliable. I mean, like what you're the, the suggestions that you're giving there's a much higher likelihood that, hey, I was a part of a Greek system or, you know, a sorority that is for black women, right, is a much better search versus Maria, because right. Maria could be Italian, <laughs> Maria could yeah, be Stephanie, a lot of things. Roxanne. Yeah, she could Goodbye. be a lot of things. And so like, if you truly are doing this and doing this the right way now, um, those I think are all like in the recruiting family. I think we need a part two, if you don't mind, Jackie, if we could do a part two, and this will be more like the commitments that you're making as an organization, kind of the internal commitments once you have them on board or before you have them on board. We're just bringing the horses to water. How do we make yes. Because How do they make Yes. We can, I, I think I told you, I was looking at a very large organization that everybody has heard of, and they've lost more black software engineers than a company could wish to hire in a lifetime. It was mm -hmm. like 600 in the past five years, two or five years. I was, I, I was shocked. And yet they keep saying, oh, well, we have to recruit diverse talent. You have a problem keeping diverse talent. Amen. Absolutely. So, so don't start, right? Get the numbers. <laughs> All right. Settle down. You are fired up today and I love I'm it. Hungry. Um, Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Okay, so Jackie, ma'am, what is your one tip and kind of keeping it in this recruiting lane or, you know, sourcing slash uh, 
finding talent. What's your one tip from this episode that you want folks to do tomorrow? Get the data first. And your company has it. You have to ask for it. But get the data first. Before you jump in, you have to know what you're working with. That's what I would say. Get the data, find out where, where you stand as an organization before you jump in. I'm gonna piggyback on yours for mine. Get the data and you're talking i think about demographic data for the most part yep i'm talking about the engagement surveys the um what is the sentiment of the employees today to be able to inform on what you should do so get the data and that could mean wow we didn't ask these questions on a survey let's ask now because i i get two three calls a week hey what survey questions should we ask to find out you know what people are feeling around diversity um, I have one. How are you feeling about diversity? Hey, <laughs> great. B, we have a diversity. I will pay you for this as a consultant. <laughs> Good job, Jackie. All right. So we will be moving into episode number two on the same topic here. So this is part one of two. It'll be 2021 for the it next part. This will be, be 2021. Yeah, you will be hearing this in 2021. So this is this is a great way to start off your year is get to getting on the data people. All right. Thanks for joining us. This is Katie Van Horn. This is Jackie Clayton. And this is the inclusive AF podcast. We love you. You're our favorite. Happy end of 2021 and happy new year. Woohoo! Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my portfolio, but my life? Well, our goal on the podcast Inside the Street, hosted by Wall Street analysts at Chiffre Partners, is to provide public investors and young professionals with a deeper understanding of the mechanics that drive those major headlines. And what better way to dive into these mechanics and hosting Wall Street analysts themselves to discuss the newest trends in finance firsthand? Well, on our show, we bring you real perspectives from the front line. Hearing these analysts give commentary has made our listeners much more well-versed on the financial markets. This approach to discussion allows our listeners to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions. So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcasts.